The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Virginia isn't for one type of person. Virginia is for road trippers. Are we there yetters? Mountain hikers and dock sitters because they're not active hikers. People who are kayakers. People who are not kayakers. Campsite campers and horseback riders. Wow, there's a lot to fit in here. Flatwater lovers, beach sun tanners, hole-in-the-earth explorers, and Shenandoah valiers. Should I keep going here? Well, you get the idea. Because Virginia is for all sorts of lovers. So come love it for yourself. Welcome to the Cinema Gold Podcast. With your host, Larry Lease. Come join us as Cinema Gold dives into the latest Hollywood films and news. for sponsoring this podcast visit poddex.com use promo code cinemagold for 10% off your first purchase and if you'd like to donate to the show go to streamlabs.com slash cinemagold your support is appreciated so let's begin in a piece he wrote for GQ a couple years ago Mark Harris opined that much of Hollywood's current malaise stems from the mindset of the generation running the studios Hollywood's recent conservative spiral has come about because the people greenlighting film came of age at the dawn of the modern blockbuster. In his words, quote, the guys who felt the rush of Top Gun are now in their 40s. 
and it is their taste, their appetite, and the aesthetic of their late 80s post-adolescence that is shaping movie making. Whether you agree with Harris or not, his argument would help to explain Hollywood's increasingly obsession with remaking every successful 80s film, including Fame, Footloose, Red Dawn, and a host of others certainly gives the impression that the 80s was a golden time, with each of these films being classics in their field. But of course, even a cursory glance is enough to debunk this notion. And so it is with Beverly Hills Cop, which now looks really ordinary, after more than 30 years on the beat. Just like Top Gun two years later, Beverly Hills Cop is a classic example of a high-concept film, an idea supposedly invented by Steven Spielberg, but mostly firmly identified with Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. It is a film whose entire story is contained in its title or tagline. Eddie Murphy's a cop in Beverly Hills, and Axel Foley's origins in Detroit have no bearing on the story other than create a contrast with the other police force. Frankly, he could be from Florida, and it wouldn't be any difference to the plot or the comic conceit. We could debate the legacy of Simpson and Bruckheimer all day, but their approach does help to explain a lot of the characteristics of Beverly Hills Cop. Harris again puts it best when he says in the same article, their mo movies weren't movies, they were pure products stitched together, amalgams of amphetamine, action beats, star casting, music videos, and technological adrenaline, all designed to distract you from their lack of internal coherence, narrative credibility, or recognizable human qualities. His comments are echoed by an observation John Landis made at a Q&A session in 2009. Speaking about his involvement in Beverly Hills Cop 3, Landis remarked that the first film had a terrible script, and that it was only funny because director Martin Brest allowed Eddie Murphy and Judge Reinhold to improvise most of their dialogue. This might help to explain a lot of the long pauses in between the characters' stories whenever a big explanation has to take place to their superiors about what happened. The camera just hangs on them for a second, as though Brest was waiting for anything else that was funny. Fittingly, the opening section of the film does owe a lot to Landis. The opening montage is like a blue-collar version of the opening to Trading Places, with the rundown architecture of Detroit and Patti LaBelle's new attitude taking the place of refined New York City building and Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro. Both the opening chase and the final showdown take heavily after the multi-car pileups in the Blues Brothers, though they are executed much less timing and panache. Had Landis not made such a pigsy air the third film, you might hazard to say he would have been a safer bet here. Because the film is essentially a star vehicle for Eddie Murphy, it should come as a little surprise that the story of Beverly Hills Cop isn't that great. But what's perplexing is that in the right hands, could have been. The series of events has more than enough twists and turns to make it a decent procedural or mystery drama. Don't get me wrong, it's not Chinatown, but it wouldn't have been enough to keep people guessing, if only for a while. Similarly, there is a nice little idea in the character of Axel Foley. Foley is a cop who gets results by going above the law, and the comedy arises from him being put in a place where everyone goes only by the book. Foley's knack of getting results based on his hunches and misdirections could have been explored in more detail, with the consequences of him messing up serving as an emotional anchor. 
Instead, the closest we come to any kind of anchor is Foley's boss, Todd, played convincingly by real-life Detroit cop Jill Hall. The central problem with Beverly Hills Cop is that it makes the absolute least of its material. Problems with the original screenplay could have been remedied in the direction and the improvisation should have worked wonders considering how talented Murphy was as a stand-up. Instead, all of Murphy's energy is overindulged, Brest not giving him the boundaries or the character direction that Landis gave him in Trading Places. In that film, Murphy was working within the set boundaries and doing the best he could. Here, he's giving free reign and so is very hit and miss, with none of the bad stuff being cut because the script has nothing to fall back on in the first place. As a result of the lack of discipline from both director and star, the plot com becomes convoluted to the point where it's almost irrelevant. The audience are spoon-fed all the major plot points through exposition from Foley. Or if not through exposition, then through improv that goes on for too long. Eventually, we give up trying to find out for ourselves who killed Foley's friend, because if we read around long enough, the film will tell us, and we won't have to think. At this point, you might argue that the majority of the 1980s blockbusters were this asinine and patronizing, and that I'm simply attacking a trend rather than dealing with issues specific to this film. But this line of reasoning can be quickly dismissed by comparing Beverly Hills Cop with Lethal Weapon. Both have similar conceits of an out-of-control police officer working with people of opposite persuasions to take down a dangerous criminal. But Lethal Weapon is by far the better film with a funnier script, more character development, and direction from Richard Donner, which complements the action rather than just capturing it. Lethal Weapon also has the edge as far as performances are concerned. Whatever you think of Mel Gibson's personal life or political views, he shined as Martin Riggs and Danny Glover was beyond per a perfect match for him. Murphy is talented, and he's working with some talented people in the form of Ronnie Cox of Deliverance fame, Judge Reinhold, who had recently come from Fast Times at Richmond High. But other than Jill Hall, none of the supporting cast are strong or convincing enough to rein Murphy in. On top of this, there's also an uncomfortable homophobic undercurrent in the film. This is most likely a product of the time. Hollywood is notorious for the slow speed at which its attitudes towards different social groups changes. But even with the historical context, the Mincing depiction of many male characters is offensive and too blatant to ignore. Such events don't derail the film, but only because there's nothing really to derail in the first place. What we are left with is a film of barely passable mediocrity. 100 odd minutes of disposable action and attempted comedy, which don't really hang together and don't amount much to more than escapist diversion. The soundtrack is decent, but repetitive. Cinematography is standard, and the ending meets some of our expectations, but doesn't deliver any kind of knockout punch. It's not a crushing disappointment in the manner of Beowulf or Atlantis' The Lost Empire. Both of these films squandered great potential, while this has much less to squander in the first place. Instead, it's a film that might induce a chuckle, but mainly leaves us with the resignation that comes from lowered expectations. Beverly Hills Cop is a flat and rather aimless action comedy that hasn't stood the test of time at all well. For all the individual moments where the dialogue sparks, where the action becomes engaging, it has none of the driving energy of Lethal Weapon, 
from the story, direction, and performances. As a comedy, plain and simple, it's just not funny anymore. So with that, we go to our six best scenes of Beverly Hills Cop. And number six is the very beginning of the movie. And it's the truck chase. It was the early years, but with the name Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson in the credits, we had to get a pointless action sequence. Preferably a chase scene to open the movie. Even with the shootout at the climax, this opening is really the most action-packed part. part. And other than barely setting up Murphy's character as an undercover cop, it's just meaningless destruction of cars and a token fruit stand. Okay, technically it's a vegetable truck in this movie. The scene would be nothing, of course, without the Pointer Sisters song on the soundtrack. And number five is Detroit PD. Yes, I'm already one-third of the way through this list. I even made it to Beverly Hills. Who needed that place anyways? Other than show a typical 80s class contrast fish-out-of-water story set in the hub of wealth in sunny California. I'd have been fine with a whole movie set in gritty Detroit so long as he still had the same Axel, who's already an outsider in his own waters. Plus, Paul Reiser is a goofy sidekick, and Jill Hill as Inspector Todd. Jackson O. Hill was actually a Detroit cop and later president of the city council and mayoral candidate. No wonder he's the best tough and angry boss cop in all the movies. He and Reiser had extended presences in the sequel, but they should have just made Beverly Hills Cop 2 completely set in Motor City and maybe brought Taggart and Rosewood out there for a change of pace. And now we get to number four. With Serge and Little Lemon Twist. It's a shame that Bronson being sure is still mostly remembered for playing Balky on Perfect Strangers and little else. Not that it was bad on the show, but the show itself was weak. Because I always like to associate him with his parts in True Romance in this movie, where he's quite memorable, in a very brief appearance as another character with a silly accent. I can't think of many roles like this. A rare back-and-forth blend of snobbishness and friendliness. The bit about the lemon twist and the espresso has always made me curious if that's really a thing, because it sounds gross. So number three, Taggart assaults Foley. Normally the scene introducing John Ashton and Judge Reinhold as Taggart Rosewood and Lieutenant Bogomil wouldn't be something though uh, thought of as a favorite, but three decades later it plays differently and more ironically in the context of various beatings and shootings that have given the nearby LAPD and the other police forces such as Ferguson. Is it still located kind of like Taggart, knowing that his punching Axel with little thought was probably just the tip of the iceberg with his abuses of power? Maybe even some level of racism? Another thing, 30 years later, having a protagonist whose personality is so defined by the fact that he swears so much seems pretty simple and tame. Yet Murphy still pulls it off. And now number two is Bananas in the Tailpipe. Probably one of my favorite moments. Neither another brief and memorable character with a funny accent is the fruit peddler played by young Damon Wines. The gag of the banana in the tailpipes 
is only complete when you include Axel's meeting with the first team of McCabe and Foster in line. We're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. Again, there's comedy and characters' voices as Axel makes fun of McCabe for sounding too stiff and white. And at number one, scene of Bill Gale's Cop, Die Hard in a Strip Club. Among the movies you could retroactively label one of the Die Hard in titles is Beverly Hills Cop. Well, one isolated part of the movie anyway, the strip club scene. Which doesn't have much to do with the rest of the plot. Involves a holdup thwarted by the coincidental happenstance of there being a tough cop from out of town on site. Pretend Taggart and Rosewood aren't there. Extend the scene to feature length. And you got the makings of another John McClane movie. Thank you for watching this episode of the Classic Rewind Cinema Gold Podcast. Let us know your thoughts about this movie in the comments section below. Uh, follow us on Twitter at CinemaGold2. You can like us on Instagram at the Cinema Gold Podcast. Leave us a comment. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a like. Thumbs up if you like it. Or to be fair, give us a thumb down if you don't like it. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching Cinema Gold Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Cinema Gold 2. Become a patron on our Patreon at patreon.com slash cinema gold. Send us a voice message and be featured on an upcoming episode through anchor.fm slash cinema gold. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.